had redone the covenant when they had stepped in across the Jordan. And the covenant or the promise was this. If you will follow my commands, if you will follow me, then I will bless you and I will bless your land and you will know plenty. He had given them this incredible promise that if they would follow him, that they would have a home. This is a people that had wandered in the desert for 40 years. Before that, they had been slaves. That they would have homes. That they would have property. That they would have means. God had given them so much. And yet, what we find here is the great challenge. The great challenge. They had a loss of desire. They had been at war. Some people estimate they had been at war by this time between six and eight years. We've kind of used the number seven if you've been with us the last few weeks. But they have been at war between six and eight years at this point. And they were tired. They've been fighting that whole time, off and on, major battles, little battles. And they were now at the end of all that, and it was like, oh, the hard part's done. And they just kind of sat down, so to speak. They didn't have the desire anymore to push forward, to complete the task. It was kind of like that road to nowhere that it was a great idea when it was started and much of the hard work had been done and yet now, years later, the desire to finish the task was gone. Nobody even cared that it stood there in the middle of town. In the same way, Israel was like, you know what, we have been through battle after battle after battle. We have won. We are victorious. Yes, there is work still to be done. We still need to settle this land. We need to take possession of it. We need to find where is my house going to be? Where is your house going to be? But they had lost desire. Because of that, they were in danger of letting it slip through their fingers. In verse 3 of our reading, it says, So Joshua said to the people of Israel, How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the, which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? How long will you wait? Because the reality is, the longer you wait, the more likelihood it is that it's just going to slip through your hands like sand. And the next thing you know, it's going to be gone. waiting on an ice cream because you think it's like it'll be there forever and the next thing you know you're just holding an empty cone and everything's on the ground he's like Joshua's like how long are you going to wait because this isn't going to be here forever and what we see is that actually start happening you see the Jebusites take Jerusalem back you see the Canaanites kind of begin to pick at little cities like they've been defeated but they are coming back they are resettling the places that they had been pushed out of And if Israel continues to be complacent, if Israel continues to have no desire to complete the task, then they're they're going to be in danger of losing everything that they had fought so hard for in the first place. Not only that, but if we see throughout the Old Testament that if they do not complete the task, that they are in danger of discipline from God already. One of the things, though, that we see here in this chapter is as they are told this, as they are told that there is a challenge, they are told that they need to finish the task, 
they're reminded that the task itself is not impossible because of who, uh, whose authority they are under. Multiple, a couple of times here, he says that if they will go and divide the land and then come back to him, that he will cast lots here before the Lord in Shiloh. Shiloh, by the way, for those of you that may not know, Shiloh becomes the center of spirituality and worship in Israel before Jerusalem. It's where the tent of meeting is set up. It's where the sacrifices are made. This is where everyone comes to find guidance from the Lord. And Joshua tells the people, you're in danger of letting this opportunity slip by. You're in danger of not experiencing all the blessings that God has for you. But if you will follow, if you will obey, then when you come back here, you will have a home. We're not sure how lots really worked. We have lots of ideas, whether it was putting your name or your sign on a rock and then putting that in with all the others and then drawing out of a hat, if they even had hats. We don't know, okay? But what we do know is that the drawing or casting of lots was seen as divine intervention and answer to prayer. We don't do that anymore. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as we pray to guide us, so we don't cast lots anymore. We don't roll the dice, so to speak. But the point in this passage is not the rolling of dice or how God answers. It's that if we obey Him, that we will experience blessing, that He will answer prayer, that He does intervene, and that we are ultimately under His authority and under His plan. And thankfully, Israel responds to that. We've seen in the past, if you've looked through Joshua, there have been plenty of times where Israel has said, eh, we'll do part of that. It's part of that. We will go halfway, but we won't finish the task. And that's how the Canaanites are left in parts of the land and they become a thorn in the sides of Israel the rest of their time there. But here, we actually see them follow through. They do as Joshua instructs them. They eat, they each tribe picks three guys, go through the land. They do kind of a land survey. It's land distribution by committee in some ways. They go through, they do a land survey, they come back, they describe the land of Joshua, they divvy it up, they cast lots, and they are each given a home. And then what you see through the rest of 18 and 19 is a description of those homes. It's a completion of the promise. If you will obey, you will find rest. If you obey, you will find a home. And so we see Israel actually obey and not let the opportunity, but they actually grab hold and they find that which God had desired to give them in the first place. And they can enjoy it. Our situation is not all that different in many ways. We too have an opportunity a little different than Israel's. No longer are we looking for a homeland. No longer are we looking for homes to dwell in and pastures to have. Now we, as Paul says, are looking forward to something much grander. But in the meantime, we have been given this great opportunity. The land, in many ways, is subdued before us. 
before Christ, before the cross, Satan had run of whatever he would like. The Scriptures tell us that he is the ruler of this earth after all, though he is certainly not in control of all things, we understand. But after the cross, now the gospel is open to everyone. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, we've read this earlier, it says, And he said to them, the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This verse has been one that has always intrigued me and always convicted me. Because in our minds, the verse should read, pray that the Lord will give harvest. Pray that the Lord would give harvest. Pray that the Lord would save people. But that's not what it says. Now, I think we should pray that prayer. I think we should pray for those that we know that are lost. I think we should name them by name. I think we should beg them, Lord, save them. Open their eyes to the truth. Bring them close to Yourself. Give them a new heart. Give them a new life. Absolutely, we should pray that prayer. But in this text, in this moment, Jesus' response to these disciples is the harvest is there. It's not in doubt. There are those among us, whether they are part of our family or whether they're part of our friend group, or whether they are part of our community or our world that we live in, there are those out there who God is working in their lives and He desires to save them. But He has chosen in His great wisdom and His great sovereignty to work through His people. He says, pray that there would be laborers to go into the fields. Pray that there are people that would be go out and to share the good news of the God loves you, that God has sacrificed for you so that you could have life eternal. Share the good news. Here's the thing. That prayer is not a prayer for others, by the way. That's a prayer for yourself. Who does he say this to? He says, pray that there would be laborers, and he's talking to the disciples. Well, who's going to be the first laborers into the field? It's these, these 12 guys, minus Judas. It's these guys. They're going to pray for a har- laborers to go into the harvest, and essentially they are praying, Lord, send me. Equip me. So when we pray, Lord, send laborers into the harvest, in essence, we are praying, Lord, send me. You have been given this mission. You have been given this place. And certainly we can say that we've been blessed. We've been blessed. Ephesians chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, 
according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in, G- in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ may be the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Brothers and sisters, sit here this morning. We have been blessed. We have been given Jesus Christ. We have been adopted into the family of God. We have been given the inheritance that lays before us. We have been given the assurance of that inheritance in the Holy Spirit. And we could probably have testimony after testimony of how He has blessed us in other ways. But this is the main portion. Him. We have been blessed. There are many who have not heard the name of Christ. There are many who do not have the word of the Lord in their own language. There are many who have not benefited the way we have from His goodness. We are blessed. And yet, we don't want to act like it. We've been blessed, but we don't always want to follow through on it. We've been blessed, but we don't always want to acknowledge the depths of it. But we have been blessed more than we could ever imagine. And as we have been blessed, we have also been given a promise. We've been blessed to hear the gospel and to be able to receive it. We've been blessed to be called His people. We've been blessed to have an opportunity to work in His kingdom. And we've been given a promise as well. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus asked his disciples, who am I? And after several other answers, Peter finally speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have been blessed. We have been promised a harvest. We have been blessed with the gospel, with this treasure. And we have been given a promise that treasure and that mission will not fail. That it will be completed. That He expects to complete it through you. Church, we have been blessed, surely. Surely we have been blessed. We have been blessed with generations that have handed down to us great gifts in so many ways. We have been blessed as He has sustained this church through peaks and through valleys. We have been blessed with this place. 
We've been blessed with harmony that at times would have been unthinkable. I think about business meetings and the majority of the time there's laughter more than anything at those. And for some of you, that at one time would have been unthinkable. He is blessed. I was sitting with a an insurance man not long ago getting quotes on this building. Fun things that pastors get to do. And I was sitting with him and he said, one thing I need to know is how much debt you have on this building. And I said, none. And his jaw dropped open. He said, I've got goosebumps. He goes, you realize that doesn't happen. I said, yeah, I know. Praise the Lord. I said, you want to know something even greater though? We've had four major votes on this building, on this project. We've not always agreed on the how and the why. We've not always agreed on how to get there. But all four of those major votes were unanimous. Baptists don't do that. (laughs) I don't know how else to tell you. We don't do that often. His mouth dropped open again. He goes, that's incredible. I said, yes. That is the Lord. He has blessed us. He has given us a promise. He has given us a mission. But let us not let the opportunity slip through our hands because the work is not done. It would be easy to sit in this place at this time and think, the work is done. Though, trust me, after working on the front, the work is not done. But it would be easy to miss the community that we've been placed in and the people that we've been entrusted with and think, oh, it'll all just happen on its own. Like Joshua, God stands in front of us and says, how long will you wait? How long will you wait before you go into the land? Brothers and sisters, let us go into our families and into our communities and let us preach the gospel. Let's preach the good news that people desperately need to hear. So here's our challenge, very quickly. Here's our challenge. And it's not, it's not complicated. They're all one-word things. We pray. Prayer is the outward demonstration of our need for Him. Prayer is our outward demonstration of our need for Jesus Christ. And if we do not pray, then we will not complete the task to satisfaction. We must pray. We must pray for laborers. We must pray, yes, for the harvest. We must pray for wisdom. We must pray for compassion. Because if you chase after God, things are going to get messy. If you chase after people who are lost, things are going to get messy. So you might as well start praying for compassion and patience and forgiveness now. We pray. Number two, we engage. That's going to look different for each one of us. We're all built differently. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us are introverts. Some of us have big influences. Some of us have small ones. Some of us have different ways of engaging. We have different interests. Engaging will look differently to different people, but all of us have been called to engage. How will you do that?
How will you do that? You cannot simply stand close to a person, say anything, and think that they're going to get the gospel. I think we sometimes think that the, the movement of the gospel is by some weird osmosis. Like if I just stand in proximity to someone, that they'll figure it out. That's not how it works. You have to open your mouth. We have to engage people with the gospel. But again, that's going to look differently for all of us. And then here's the next one, and this is the one I love, enjoy. I think sometimes we miss that with obedience, when we pray, when we engage, when we follow the Lord in obedience, I think we miss the fact that he does all of this that we may enjoy him. That there's joy in the obedience. That there's blessing in the obedience. And there's blessing in the outcome. Certainly, as we look at Joshua, they obeyed and they are given a home. In the same way, when we obey, we're given a home as well. But it is a much more glorious one than anything Israel came into inherit. It is heaven. It is a new world. New earth. So we enjoy him. We enjoy his blessings. But let us pray. Let us engage. Let us invite others into that same joy. This morning, as we have a time of response, I'm going to ask the praise team to come on back up. This morning, as we have a time of response, I don't know. I don't know how this sermon, how the Lord wants to use it in your life. It may be just a reminder, a reminder of the word that he has given us, a reminder that we've all been called on this mission together, that it's not just a few of us that are called to be laborers in the field, but it is all of us that are called to be laborers in whatever way that the Lord would see fit to do that. Sometimes that's ways that we're comfortable, and sometimes that's ways that we're uncomfortable, but he's called us to do it. I have a firm belief as well that we can miss the opportunities. He's going to do his work. The Lord is going to do his will no matter what, but we can miss opportunities. I pray that we would not do that. I pray that we would recognize the opportunities that God has given us, whether it be in this church or whether it be in your life as an individual, that we would recognize those opportunities and we would jump at them. Maybe you're here this morning. And you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity this morning as well. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what thoughts you have. I don't care what you think about yourself. The Lord sees you as valuable and he sees you as important. And he desires to have a relationship with you. That he has come to give life and to give life abundantly. You can have that this morning. It's very simple. We ask the Lord to forgive us. We confess. We say, yeah, I've, I've done things. I've screwed up. But I'm asking you to forgive me. And we believe that he will. And we believe and then we commit to follow him. So this morning, if you would do that, then the next step is easy as well. Just go find somebody and tell them, hey, I, I want to follow him. And we would be happy to tell you what comes next. It's a fun, fun ride. Let me pray with you. Father, we come before you. And Lord, we do. Praise your name. Lord, this journey that you've put us on as believers 
there are times that it's difficult. There are times that it is hard. But Lord, there is great joy in Your presence. There is great joy in the having a relationship with You. And it is quite the adventure. Father, I pray that we would grow satisfied with just what we have. But Father, that we would desire to take these opportunities and these blessings that You've given us and to go out and to share them. To complete the mission that You have called us on. That we would desire for every man and woman and boy and girl in our community to at least have heard the Gospel. Knowing that there is a harvest ready. Father, I pray that you would send laborers. And by that I, may, I pray that you would send us. That we would know, Lord, how you would have us to engage. Lord, that we would take advantage of those relationships that we have for your glory and your kingdom. Father, we pray now, Lord, that we would just respond to your word. Lord, help us not to just leave here with words going in one ear and out the other, but Lord, help us to live differently. We pray this in your name.